0: Okie dokie, a podcast for those addicted to the study of scripture. Welcome fellow addicts, this is your safe place to OD. Samuel!
1: Here I am. What are we going to talk about today? Today, for the final time, we are talking about... And now
0: we continue that final episode on the Gospels, which means this actually is the final episode on the Gospels. I'll leave it there. There you go. That's your homework. Better get busy. And in fact, that actually ties into the last little bit about what we saw in Matthew, the part where it says that teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So when it says all that I commanded you, I'm just going to say this out loud because this is another one of those things that gets a little kind of weird in uh, modern Christianity. Look, w- what he's talking about is teaching the commands, the instructions, basically the Torah. And and it's, it's not just the literal side of that where it might say, do not murder. Well, yeah, okay, of course, let's do the literal part. But it's also the wisdom underneath it the the character and nature of God within those commands, which is what we saw Jesus demonstrating yeah you know uh, you've heard it said don't murder but I say, you know what you probably shouldn't even hate your brother and so you're you're teaching not just quotes that happen to show up in the New Testament scriptures, the Apostolic scriptures, but you're teaching everything that Jesus was. I mean, he was the living, breathing Torah of God, the Word. That's we started with that in the very first episode of the Gospels with John. And and you're not just teaching for the sake of knowing or memorizing or whatever, but you, they have to observe them. You have to live it out. And you know, his Jesus' commands were they they were just like the the proper interpretation. Of like the existing hard copy, maybe I could say it that way. Something. So, anyway, teaching them, you, you make disciples. You're you're baptizing them and you're teaching them. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a good good picture. Yeah, and in the first century,
2: they had this understanding too that they needed to have ways of teaching new disciples. They you know right. if you're a brand new disciple, a, a gentile coming into this very Jewish faith that has a lot of depth and history you have to have a starting point where do you go yeah and even for i think believers today it's helpful to have the the you know readers digest condensed version in some ways you know to help us understand so the the disciples actually wrote a book it's called the didache right right? it's called the Mm -hmm. the lord's teaching through the 12 apostles to the nations It is a first century guidebook for gentiles coming to faith it's a yeah. really short but really straightforward and helps uh, you know helps us understand what it means to be a, a follower of the messiah coming from this you know non-jewish background and even in judaism you know in judaism in the in the middle ages and later there was this push to try to help Jewish people understand the Torah and the commandments in the Torah there's 613 but they have a lot of depth and a lot of kind of uh, foundation there and what do you what do you do how do you do it and yeah. so the, the Torah was, you know, the Torah and all the halakha, the Jewish law was condensed down into these codes of Jewish law, the Mishnah Torah by Maimonides and the yeah. Shulchan Aruch by uh, by Yosef Karo. And and the uh, there's, there's condensations of, okay, go read this, start here, right? This is a good a good Reader's Digest condensed version, right? There's actually a really good uh, copy, a really good even further condensed version called the Kitzer Shulchan Aruch, uh, which is a really good way of kind of getting the commandments of the of the halakha of of judaism kind of condensed down to a, a readable you know understandable couple of volumes not have to read the whole talmud kind of thing yeah for us as believers that's so important to have those those foundational teachings kind of condensed down for us how can we where do we start right when we come to faith when you have a new new believer who's coming into the faith we can't just throw them at the book of john and say here you go have fun right Right. learn about love (laughs) right I mean, love is important and it's great but the book of john is not easy reading you know it's not thank uh, you you for saying that out loud (laughs) <laughs> but you know, but things like the Didache can be really helpful for yeah. a new believer who's coming to faith because mm-hmm. it gets to get you that foundation, that that starting point.
0: Oh, the Didache is just a little gold mine. I just yeah. love it. And you're right; it's short. It's it's good. It's good. All right. So uh, you know, we did read Mark, and so I feel like I need to talk about it a little bit just so that we're truly covering all of the Gospels. But Mark, uh, he has Jesus telling the eleven to proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We've already talked about that a little bit. And just as a reminder, Samuel, what is the gospel? Repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah, that is the good news right there. And then the whole creation, I think we should say, that is the Gentiles, at at, at, at least. it's It includes the Gentiles, that's what I mean to say. It's an interesting way to say it since... There is, I mean, it's fact, all of creation is going to benefit from what has happened. So (laughs) I don't know that we really should be actually proclaiming to creation or we would be crazy at that point. I don't know how that works, but whatever, you get the idea. And he also says that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And that is to say that they will be accepted, they will be received, they will be included with the victors, if you will. And again, uh, Joshua, you talked about this earlier, to believe, uh, it's it's kind of the equivalent of the phrase that we see here, observe all that I have commanded you. So if you don't do any of that, or all of that, then the opposite, you will be condemned. And those words are kind of aiming more t- toward the idea of to be cut or to be excluded. And so anyway, that's Mark, and I don't want to overdo our time on that one because it's a little it's a little sketchy well
2: before we before we move on from this whole idea of discipleship though i'm going to get on my little soapbox and i Uh I talk about this i I talk about this in in church all the time because discipleship is such a big issue i think in the modern church it's a place where we lack greatly in our in our (laughs) approach to uh, approach to the body of faith what's the what's the common path to baptism Somebody comes to your church, they get saved, they walk down the aisle, they you know give their life to Jesus, and the next thing we say to them is, "Let's dunk you," right? You know? right? Uh, let's put you in the baptismal, and we're gonna we're gonna you know get you get you in in the baptismal pool, and we're gonna get you dunked. And there's no process, you know. It, there's no there's no. Uh, real coming to understand what it means. And I, I was talking about earlier right. this idea that, you know, you, when you come to this into the reality of God into the reality of the sun, right? This is a big deal there's a there's a change of your life yeah you're this this baptism is a outward sign of the inward change of repentance in your heart but there's a there's a change in your life that happens when you come to faith in God when you believe in the Messiah and that change has to be given root and it has to be given nourishment and that requires i think a process so my my recommendation and i I'm hoping that at some point somebody will listen to me about this. But I, I I think we should uh I think we should be focusing more on the process of discipleship before baptism. Yeah. That there's a understanding of who God is and understanding of who the Messiah is and understanding of His work in the world. Um, You know, there's, there's these things in like the book of Hebrews uh, chapter six, the the writer talks about, you know, you, you have to have these basic understandings of God and you guys still don't even have that. I can't go deep because you're, you're still needing milk, not meat. you know, and there's basic understandings. We have to lay those foundations and not necessarily all of them before you get baptized. I mean, uh, but there's a foundation there that I think is really helpful. We see, Cornelius, right when when Peter goes to Cornelius's house, and you know they ask him, "Is there any reason we can't be baptized?" And he's like, "Well, you're already God-fearers. You already understand the foundations of the faith. You understand the you know what it means to follow the one, the God of Israel. And now you understand the Messiah and how that fits into that. No, of course, and there's no reason. I don't see any reason why you can't be baptized. Let's let's, yeah. let's, let's dunk you." But I think there's a difference in that from from that compared to what most of Christianity has today. I just I just wish we had more of a process. I wish there was more of a uh, an intentional teaching discipleship period between the time when you give your life to God to the time when you get dunked. Because I think there's so much more depth and meaning in that in that process in that uh, in that uh, in that sign that outward sign if the process has been has been working through.
0: Yeah, you actually remind me of a conversation I've been having with my buddy Tim Williams. Talking about how important it is that people count the cost. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself warned hey you know you need to think about what you're doing here and it's it, yeah it goes right along with that i think it's so important so yeah paul rattles
2: off that whole list of not you paul paul in the bible <laughs> uh, rattles off a whole list of things that he's had to endure as a disciple of the master right yeah. and being shipwrecked multiple times and beaten you know almost to death and all these other things he counted the cost yeah. And it was a very hefty cost more for him than, uh, than it is for us, but it is, uh, it is still a hefty cost for us. And it's a change when you're talking about what, what is, what does a disciple look like? A disciple looks like a very different thing, uh, yeah. than what we think a Christian looks like in some ways, yeah. right? Yeah. Because a disciple is someone who memorizes the words of his teacher A disciple is someone who lives according to the words of his teacher. A disciple is someone who stands out and looks a little weird yeah. and that's okay because he's a disciple yeah. of a Jewish Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. The Jewish Messiah.
0: And just as a point of clarification, I do indeed rattle on. So I just want to get that out there. Right. Samuel, anything before we go on to that next section?
1: I just maybe I'm being too drosh in my uh, taking of this previous section and my interpretation. But I can't help but think of the imagery that God painted to Israel in Exodus chapter 19 after he brings them out of bondage and they cross the Red Sea and he says like you're going to be for me a kingdom of priests like to mm-hmm. me I don't know I, I, I feel sense some kind of connection between discipleship and what it means to continue on that legacy of being a kingdom of priests in terms of just the basic concept of in the same way the the people the common people of the nation were looking at the priest in terms of Oh, that is how they are interceding on my behalf before God, and that's how they conduct themselves uh, in terms of their relationship. Like, I should mimic that myself in whatever capacity is possible, not in a like Le- Levitical priestly context, but in my daily life. And then in the same way, yeah. the surrounding nations will see the nation as a whole and how they conduct themselves is like, oh... These people are following this different God, and it seems like that their their life, uh, the way that they treat their animals, the, the way that they treat their neighbors, mm-hmm. their their uh, visitors is completely different than what I'm aware of, and that draws them in. So, yeah. it's I don't know. I just feel like discipleship should be a continuation of that, and that that follows is consistent with what it means to wear God's reputation in. That right. imagery of baptism, like it's, <laughs> if you're not willing to showcase God's character by proclaiming His name as your banner of truth for your life, then it it means nothing to you. Like it, that's it's a completely, well, it's like what hip, biblical hypocrisy is. You're being an actor. You're you're saying that you are a part of something, but deep down, you are doing completely the opposite in terms of your intent so yeah and then the Good. I, I, whenever you we read the, the mark version i just love it that statement of proclaiming the gospel to the whole creation really stuck out st- stood out to me because it's not just discipleship so that we can all go to heaven or that heaven comes or it, it's like it's heaven coming down to this creation like our physical creation that we are experiencing now is going to be redeemed from the curse of sin and death. Like Paul, the apostle says in Romans eight about creation is like groaning yeah. there. It's awaiting that day for when it can cast off the burden of sin and death. And it's even Messiah here himself is like alluding to that. It's like whenever you go and make disciples with people that is leading ultimately to creation itself being redeemed as well and the the reuniting of heaven and earth together that we see in genesis 1 and 2 all over again so yeah. some of that's probably repeat from what you all said but maybe saying it in samuel's terminology helps some no,
0: people it's, yeah it's good it's, it's kind of like creation gets uh, a little resurrection too
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so
0: yeah it's super cool yeah good stuff Good stuff. Anything else? I think we're good. All right. So we're going to look, we're going to go on, and I actually, I know we're a little long on the episode, but don't worry about that. I think we're going to be rolling downhill from this point out. Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. Uh, You know, I'll just go ahead and read this real quick. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. All right, now, I know I keep saying this over and over, that this is the long ending that's been added into Mark, and we're trying to take it a little bit with a grain of salt. This is the one section that's really a difficulty, and and not not near as much for the text itself or the contents content of this text but more the way people take it or try to make it mean what they want it to mean or whatever so here 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 are just a few things and 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 maybe we can quickly agree on these items and then you guys can comment all you want so here's the first one is there anything in this list that god can't or won't do in us no Mm-mm. heads are shaken there's a big no there's there's no rule against that so second has he God before and will he God continue to do these things in us he has mm-hmm. yeah so there's kind of a yes and there's no real rule against it right so there's that and then third and this is the important one this thing these things that you see listed here. Is this for all of us all the time? No. No, God has not failed to keep his end of the bargain if this list of things does not happen for you in this life. I don't know if all of the things that we have seen in our life, you know, with the TV shows and things on the Internet and all that, Is any of that real? Is all of it real? You know what? I don't know. But I do know that God is still able. I do know that there's nothing that's preventing God from doing any such thing. But I also know it is not uh, something that we gauge our Christianity by. Am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? Or, you know, all those kind of questions. Don't worry about that. And that, that is the big reason that this, this verse kind of bothers me a little bit from Mark. But just just to kind of add this in here, some look at these couple of verses, and they've tried to explain it all away by saying that this, this is actually talking about the time of the kingdom, or maybe even beyond that, in the world to come. And, you know, maybe, I, I guess, it's possible. Uh, but others instead have tried to say that, you know, this... This is going to be the hallmark of his body here in the earth. And again, they're not saying that every single individual person is going to have all of this. It's more of a general statement about his body across time, across space even, you know, like all around the earth. And and that seems a little more reasonable to me, I'm, I'm assuming us. So please... As we have said, we're taking this all with a grain of salt. These two verses especially, we're asking you all listening to take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> but you guys, if you got something, go.
2: Well, I, I would point back to the words of the master. When, again, when he's uh, speaking with the adversary on, during his, his testing, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Right? That's what we're told not to do. Um, If I pick up a snake, it's probably – the venomous snake – it's probably going to bite me. You know, why would I put God to the test in that way? Um, But we see that God protects – his people, right? I mean, right? Paul was putting some firewood into a fire and got bit by a snake and, and God protected him. So yeah. there's, a, there's a very real example of that right in the, in the, in the text of the scripture.
0: And there was but, plenty yeah. of stuff that God did not protect Paul from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> many, many more things that
2: he yeah. did not
1: protect him from. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do wonder though, and it's kind of a question could be for both of you all. Paul, I know that you and I have treated the the outpouring of the spirit in acts 2 that we will get to what we've referenced it here in the gospels before as like a special measure of the spirit that was gifted to the the eyewitnesses and uh the first hand observers and like living in relationship with the master himself after his ascension, and that it should be treated somewhat differently compared to yeah. how our dynamic of the Spirit is now. So, in the same way, like, could these two verses be applicable for believers? If or he's talking to the apostles here, but they don't have the same application for us now because of where they were compared to where we are now.
0: Yeah, yeah, our our thing has been listen, there there is something to this idea of uh, we what's the phrase we use, God's endorsement. There there was a special time as they were taking this message out as it was being launched, if you will, from Jerusalem and outward that it's it's reasonable to understand that the spirit working in and among that group in that time was Slightly different than what we experience now. And the reason for it is, hey, you can believe these guys. They're coming not just with words, but with power. They're coming with testimony as in kind of like God's testimony on their behalf not everybody agrees with that but that's i think the apostles definitely had a very
2: specific role that's why they're called apostles right Apostolos is a a shliach it's a it's a person who it's the hebrew is shliach it's a it's a person who is given a a a specific message as a witness of the thing you know and representative of the person being that they're being sent from there's a unique situation there for them I will caution us not to go so far as to say that the rest of the book of Acts and the things we see throughout the rest of the book of Acts is... Uh, only for the first generation, only for the first, because yeah. it, it goes. It's very clear that the the giving of the Holy Spirit and even the signs that came with that, whatever those signs are, uh, those signs came to other people who had never been. They even, right. even came. The sign even came to Gentiles who had never known the Master. So yeah. there's obviously more going on uh, beyond just the apostles themselves. Yeah. In in this specific circumstance, in this you know in in this addition to Mark, I would say this is more anachronistic than anything else. This is someone textually from a critical textual critical perspectives someone is writing this later adding this piece in and knowing that these things have already happened yeah and yeah. say these are things that are signs and you could almost say this is a this is a person saying these these are the signs that do accompany not yeah. the signs that will accompany, uh, yeah. because the person that's, you know, described that's adding this piece in is trying to describe what it means to live in the kingdom in the first century and to, and to really understand that from the perspective of those people.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's good. Yeah, and we're actually going to talk about that a little bit more in the sections coming up. So uh, anything else before we head on? Mm-hmm. All right, so before we move on to this next section, I know, Joshua, man, we... We're so excited that you were coming to join with us, and we thought that we had allotted plenty of time, but man, we get to talking and having so much fun. I know you're crunched for time. You got to go. So this is your opportunity to sort of do the goodbye. If there's anything else that you really wanted to to say or talk about before you go, you at least know what we're going to be talking about. And then right before you leave, I have one more special request for you. Yeah. And I, I really, I'm
2: sorry that I have to, have to pop out, but this has been awesome. I think, uh, I think we're just all big, big talkers. At least you and you and I are, Paul. Maybe not so much Samuel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get him there one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. No. This is, I think, that this is a really important part of Scripture, and I think uh, the ascension of Yeshua of the Messiah is an extremely important part of our faith, uh, because not only didn't did he rise from the dead, but he also mm. is the first fruits of that resurrection, yes. and he now sits in that place of authority that we talked about earlier. Yeah. You know, right at the right hand of the Father. This is not. It's a. It's not just him being another divine being, right? What we're seeing in the scripture is something beyond that. this is an a, a the fact that he sits at the right hand of the Father means that he is not just another divine being. he is coequal with the yeah. father right yeah. there is a there is a divinity here that is not uh you know not an angel right not some other created uh divine being. Right. He is the son of the most high God. The one who will judge the world in the end of days. He has authority that has been imbued uh, to him, given to him by the father, not just a great man, not just a prophet. So uh, when we're looking at this ascension and him going into the the throne room of God, this is a big deal because it positions him properly in his real place as not just a Messiah, not just the prophet, but also
0: as God in the flesh and the son of God. Yeah. John 6. He Mm -hmm. didn't just descend. He also ascended. Yep. That's awesome. All right. Is that it? That's nothing it. else for us. All right. Sadly, we have to continue without Joshua. But you know what, <laughs> Samuel? It's comfortable. It's who we are. It's what we do. <laughs> so let's keep this thing rolling. <clears throat> do you have anything before we move on to uh, Luke twenty four forty nine? I don't believe so. All right. Well. You may feel like we're kind of rushing it through the end, but that's, you know, we're going to get this thing done. You ready? Oh, yeah. Uh, Luke twenty four forty nine. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So, take a guess, Samuel. What is the promise of my father? It's got to be that spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's right. And it, it, just to say it, this Holy Spirit is also the sign of the new covenant. The new covenant has been inaugurated. The kingdom. Well, technically it's come, but it, you know, inaugurated is a good word for that too. They've begun, but we're only experiencing a foretaste of both. There will come a day when both the new covenant and the kingdom will be in their fullness. And, and I don't even know if that's necessarily at the same time. I, I sort of feel like we will have the kingdom, but the kingdom is something of a segue into the world to come. And the world to come is when the new covenant is truly in its fullness. So, you know, kind of a little, little thing there. Now, remember in Luke's telling, they are still in Jerusalem. Jesus is telling them to stay there until they receive the special outpouring of the Spirit. Now, this may seem a little odd because in the other accounts, he was kind of insisting that they go to Galilee. And Joshua even mentioned this earlier. It seems that at some point they all do go to Galilee, but then they also come back to Jerusalem. They're kind of moving around. So, you know, it all fits together one way or another. And and that last that last little bit says they will be clothed with power. Again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and I think, maybe, and we've already talked about it some, but, you know, this is our moment to talk about how, look, we all receive the Spirit, but it doesn't mean that it is going to look exactly the same for us, for every one of us. It's not exactly the same as it appears in the Scriptures for every one of them, and even worse the way it appears in the scriptures all kind of summed together and time compressed it's important to note the book of acts covers you know like 20 or 30 years of time so all of the miraculous stuff you see in there took a long time to happen and it happened across many different people in many different places so it's it's just a cautionary tale, don't feel like all of that has to be happening for you all the
1: time. Mm. So,
0: anyway, anything there, Samuel?
1: Yeah, I guess I'm just wondering, would the apostles been aware of what Jesus was referencing here? Because it's it's kind of an indirect reference concerning this, the Holy Spirit in terms of calling it the promise and then being clothed with power from on high. I'm just wondering if we... Can visualize it like, oh, yeah, he's talking about the spirit coming, or would it have been a surprise? Like, it would have been another thing that's like mysterious to them now. And then after the the outpouring of the spirit later, then it made sense to them.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I feel like, wow, we've talked about so many things on this episode that my mind, I'm just, I'm filled with thoughts. I'm kind of feeling like at some point prior to this, he in fact mentioned specifically that this was going to be coming something about uh the spirit but you know i i'm now i'm uh, i'm confused as to who what where when we'll figure that out maybe maybe when we're editing we can try to find out you know what what i'm thinking of or talking about or something uh so yeah i i don't know i feel like we did kind of make a, a leap there, understanding what it was, but that's easy to do in hindsight. So whether they would have known very specifically or not is hard to say. They've just gone through this time of revelation with him and all that. I I don't know. I don't know.
1: Because I'm just looking quickly back in the text. The only thing I'm really seeing mentioning the Spirit is the baptizing in the name. Whatever right. he says about going and making disciples. So maybe it was even yeah. before that so something to ponder
0: yeah yeah no doubt yeah it's it's a it's a difficulty because especially here at the end things are moving very quickly it's hard to keep things in a nice tight little understandable image and so yeah i don't know i, I guess at this point we're just kind of going with look man they've got all kinds of revelation they 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 they've experienced all these things with him uh even if it's not in the text, they they probably knew or they asked and he told them or so. I don't know. I
1: mean, he he, <laughs> he did reference it before his death when he you know, when he's saying it's better that I go because whenever I yeah. go, the helper will come. But even then, it's the same question applies. It's like, would they have understood what he meant when he right. said the helper. <laughs>
0: right. The yeah. counselor or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know, dude. Classic oh, rabbinic
1: approach asking questions that don't have answers to.
0: You know, we can't really answer the question in the moment, did they know what he meant? But just to sort of soothe curiosity, there were a few places where this did come up in our walk through the gospels was a little while ago. John fourteen twenty-six, John fifteen twenty-six, and John sixteen seven. So there you go. All right, next little bit. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, and now we're going to do that second half. It says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this Samuel kind of raises a question, well, in what way is he with us? And I think there's a few things that we can, you know, include here. Number one, it's, it's uh, through the Holy Spirit. He's with us that way. But he's also with us through his teaching and instruction, all of the things that he talked about before. And, you know, in some sense, even through the scriptures themselves, because they speak so much of him. And similar to that, through his example, they, of course, got to witness it all firsthand. We get to read about it and stuff. But, you know, his example is another one. And then, of course, uh, Joshua mentioned he's sitting at the right hand. What's he doing up there? Well, he's interceding on our behalf. So he is with us through intercession. So I think that's a handful. I don't know if that's all the different ways, but that gives you an idea of the ways that he's with us. It's, it's analogous to like, if we were to look back in the Old Testament, all of the many times that God told someone that he would be with them. I mean, did God like come down his Shekinah glory, just like, you know, walking alongside him, whatever? No, it wasn't like that. But God was with them. So I I think there's a uh, sort of a parallel there. And then, of course, the end of the age. You know, people have different ideas. Some think this is when Jesus returns and establishes the kingdom. That's obviously a pretty important marker in time. And and maybe that's what we're talking about. Another popular one, and I lean toward this. This is when heaven and earth actually pass away, like Revelation 21 kind of stuff. And what's funny, it says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Well, that doesn't mean that only until then, like he all of a sudden stops being with us. It's, you know, he'll be around after that, too. (laughs) It's just that somewhere in the future, there's this really important time marker, and he's going to be with us through it all up until then, and of course, afterward. So anything on that one, Samuel?
1: I mean, it sounds similar to aspects of the Shema uh, within Jewish thought of, Hero Israel, the Lord, yeah. our God, the Lord is one. There's, it's that. There's this concept of within that phrase, "the Lord is one," is that God is completely immersed and present and involved within His created world, and Jesus is like continuing that by affirming to his followers that He will be present and engaged with them, even if he's not there physically in flesh and blood.
0: Yeah, it's It's a good point. It's good. All right, uh, next little bit. Oh, Samuel, we are almost at the end. This is Mark chapter 16, verse 19, and also Luke chapter 24, verses 50 and 51. Uh, You know what? I'll read Mark and you read Luke. How about that? Okay. Mark says this. So then the Lord Jesus after he had spoken to them was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God
1: and Luke 24:50 50 and 51 say and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands he blessed them while he blessed them he parted from them and was carried up into heaven yeah so again in mark
0: reminder this is the added long ending uh jesus okay he's all done he's finished speaking and now he ascends into heaven the dwelling place of god just imagine god on his throne jesus sits at god's right hand and if we're to believe you know some of the things that we see from daniel and etc he has his own throne right next to god's and Not only was this sort of the goal for him as the son of God, but this is also the end goal of the son of man. And now, Samuel, we're going to jump all the way back to Genesis. This has always been the intention for mankind, ruling beside God. Now, the big difference is that for us, we are ruling alongside God in creation, and that is still coming. That's the kingdom in the world to come. And, and, and well, you know what? Let's do it. So I'm going to read Revelation 21, verse 3. This is the end of that story when man is ruling with God the way it was meant to be all the way back in Genesis.
1: And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Yeah.
0: I can't even tell you how much I love this verse. Mm. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And so much of modern Christianity has that turned upside down. They imagine the end of the story is we dwell with him up in heaven. But that's not it. He dwells with us in creation. Mm. Such a cool picture. Such a cool picture. But anyway, that's Mark and, and everything in there. I mean, that's all good. Um, in Luke, Jesus leads them out from the room that he had miraculously appeared in. And in fact, Sam, I don't know if you remember this. They go back to Bethany. Do you remember Jesus' last week? What they did every night? Oh, they traveled back to Bethany. Oh, hmm. yeah. They, they would spend all day in Jerusalem doing all their stuff, and then they'd go back to Bethany at night. And so uh, Jesus, uh, they, he's, he's leading them back there. And I don't know if it's on the way or when they get there or how exactly it works. But Jesus lifts his hands to bless them. And it's important that we understand this is not just some random blessing. It's, it's, it's the priestly blessing of Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. And I, I don't know, it's kind of cool. Even while he is blessing them, he separates himself from them and is at some point somehow lifted up into heaven. Remember he said that the, the Son of Man would be lifted up? And of course, we understand that on the cross— but here, we also understand that as in his ascension. So, super cool here. You got anything to add?
1: Um, yeah, I'm just wondering, within first century Jewish culture, would it have been acceptable for non-priests, at least within the tribe of Levi, to utter this phrase, you know, uh, for the benefit welfare of other people that they are wanting to bless and see God's promises be fulfilled in their life just because I don't want it to call continue a misconception that's like oh like Jesus is a priest in the same way that the priest you know conducted their services within the tabernacle and temple like he didn't qualify because he wasn't from the tribe of Levi he was from the tribe of Benjamin so um do you know he was from the tribe of judah tribe but wow i need to go do my homework glad joshua is
0: here <laughs> that's right that's right yeah okay so is there some sort of penalty or this or that or whatever for having you know just to say something like this out loud or to do that kind of blessing uh i do not know about that and to your point i bet you joshua would know <laughs> But the important thing is, and, and see, this is so good because it ties into the book of Hebrews, where it's very specific that Jesus was not, by any stretch of the imagination, a priest in the Levitical system. He was from the wrong tribe. It could never happen. But Jesus was, in fact, a prophet and a priest and a king. And remember, his priesthood is by the order of who? Melchizedek or in the order of? Yes, Melchizedek. And so, yeah, I, I you know I don't know about that. And and just to to say this because we're looking at the text and it's like, well, how do you know he was saying number 626? What I'm what I am relaying is uh the thoughts of many scholars who look at this and the the very thing that he is doing and and the words that he's using whatever a whole bunch of them have come to this conclusion that, hey, man, this is totally, this is the blessing from number six, 24 to 26, and, you know, ways that it gets used and all this kind of stuff. So I'm going with what they say. But yeah, I have no idea if this would have caused any sort of trouble. Obviously, it didn't. But, yeah. you know, yeah. under normal circumstances, I don't know. Anything else? Nope. Well, let's do the last all right. three verses. This is it. All right. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and Luke uh, chapter 24, verses 52 and 53. Uh, Let's do the same thing. I'll finish up Mark, and you do Luke. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying
1: signs. And Luke says... And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. Now, in this case, this little
0: bit added by Mark actually is works in our favor. It's really cool that it's there. We see, on one hand, that the message went everywhere. So, Jerusalem, Samaria, the ends of the earth, the whole thing, Right? And we also see that the Lord did a couple things. Number one, he worked with them. And number two, he confirmed the message. Now, both of these things are the work of the Spirit. The Spirit taught them and led them and guided them and encouraged them and emboldened them and whatever words we could think of right and the spirit also did supernatural works as signs signs that they and their message were endorsed by god it's exactly what we talked about before and now it's kind of being confirmed right here in this text for whatever that's worth it it was like these things that the spirit was doing it was like witness it was like testimony and again i'm suggesting that this was needed in that early generation and it's reasonable to believe that that specific need, that specific purpose sort of had its expiration date, if you will. That once it got rolling, once it got started, that specific need was no longer there. Although you look around in the world and say, like, <laughs> we could sure use some of that supernatural witness right now, mm-hmm. huh? But anyway, there's that. And then the Luke part, Luke tells us that The moment of his ascension, they worshiped. And again, this is that bowing the knee, that devoted reverence, whatever. Uh, And once he was gone, they went back to Jerusalem and they brought a bunch of joy with them. And Luke also tells us something very important they were continually in the temple. So here's a little side note someone could argue that it should read that they were all in the temple. So if you're looking at the Greek words, instead of saying they were continually in the temple, they would say, no, it says they were all in the temple. Well, okay, first, fair argument, but the book of Acts, along with the rest of history, we know that continually is not only accurate, but ultimately it it proves to be more appropriate so these were not jews who became christian in place of their judaism they were jews who were christian or christ believers or whatever you want to call it within their judaism and today the the title that we put on that is messianic jews that that's what they were they weren't confused. They weren't stubborn. They weren't slow. They weren't dumb. They were behaving appropriately. And I'm just going to throw this out there since it's our last episode. We'll give people a long time to think about this one. This is exactly what we see modeled by Paul, the apostle. Yes, even Paul in the book of Acts and in his own letters as well. And Until you see Paul in this way, as a faithful Torah observant Jew arguing for Gentile inclusion without Gentile conversion, you're never really going to understand what Paul's talking about. So this is this is what's happening here. They're continually in the temple because, of course, they remained Jewish and and they they lived out their Judaism. So that's kind of the end of that bit. Uh, anything on those, Samuel?
1: Yeah, I just get this sense that this is kind of like the... in the sports world and mindset, it's like the celebration after a buzzer-beating shot, uh, and you're the team that you're rooting for or following wins the game, like the, the final game to, to, <laughs> to take the championship or the trophy home, like... If there were doubts beforehand, at the beginning of this episode, where the text says they worshipped him, but some doubted within their yeah. culture, only God descends and ascends, and seeing their their rabbi, their Messiah do that, I don't know that that should have been, and I would argue, ultimate confirmation to them that jesus is who he said he was to them um and that shows why in in the luke version they're exhibiting such great joy because that's what they've waited for and longed for and they've got confidence and their hope has been realized so to speak
0: yeah yeah maybe instead of all of this time being kind of confused by their own preconceived ideas conquering king maybe at this point they really actually get it and they understand that the victory really is won, and uh maybe they have joy beyond what they've ever had yeah. which would make sense
1: yeah yeah oh i also forgot i guess we should point out this is another example of jesus's resurrected body not obeying our current laws of space and time and physics right. in terms of his ascension like it, right. it just it's consistent with stuff we see before where he was not in a room with the disciples at one point and then later he suddenly appears in the same way he's able to be lifted up into the sky and then <laughs> dissipate so to speak it's just interesting yeah. to point out that it's not the same form of humanity that we hold now like there is something restored renewed about yeah. it
0: well and think about this he has a real physical human body mm-hmm. in in many ways very similar to ours and he is in heaven mm. he is in the spiritual realm whatever that even means so how crazy is that very crazy yeah yeah well hey, all right this this is a really big deal. We have reached the end, Samuel. We have reached the end of the gospels, and it only took us a few years to get there.
1: Can we put in a little sound effect of some applause right now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can find. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. uh we are going to take a little break, and you know what? We're not even going to make a promise for how long, but we just need. Man, it's hard to do a podcast every single week for nearly three years. Mm -hmm. It's just hard because, I mean, we're regular people with jobs and lives and all that other stuff. So we're going to take a little break, but we will be coming back and we have some ideas of what we think we'll be doing next, but we're not even going to make promises on that front because you never know, something could change. So we hope that if you have in any way enjoyed this podcast... That if you were, you know, kind of keeping up with us in real time, that you will find a way, find a way to make room for us again mm. when we return. And uh, if you haven't been keeping up with us and you're just uh, binging, uh, you may not even know the difference. You'll just go right <laughs> to the next episode and it'll be fine. But maybe as a way of doing the the final goodbye for this section, Samuel, just because It's so fun talking about that priestly blessing and all that. Uh, Before Joshua left, we had him actually do the priestly blessing in Hebrew, and we're going to play that. But before we do, Samuel, would you read it in uh, like the English version so that people know what's going on?
1: Mm -hmm. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Yeah.
0: I don't know what it is. Every once in a while, I, I hear that, read it, whatever it is. And I, I just almost cry. Mm. It's just good stuff. It's good stuff. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you, Josh, if you would, I would like for you to say the blessing from Numbers, the priestly blessing, uh, except I want you to do it in Hebrew Yivera gadonai
2: veyishmarekha Yare'ra ronai panav lechvikhnekha Yisarna hay panave
0: shalom amen awesome very good alright dude
1: thank you so much thank you
0: sorry you're gonna miss this last little bit but glad you were here yeah, yeah. I really appreciate your invitation too alright alright guys Happy be good thanks again so that's it we we'll, uh I, I think Samuel we've okay this is definitely the longest episode ever and uh, you never know we might just be cutting this one in two
1: <laughs> but hey,
0: either way, I think it's time to let them go.
1: For the final time for now, Okie Dokie. Oh! Thank you for listening to the Okie Dokie Most podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And be sure to leave us a five star rating and a review to let us know how this content is impacting your life. You can find out more information about the podcast at www.okiedokiemost.com. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, please send us an email at okidokimos at gmail.com. And until next time, we pray that you will do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We'll talk to you again soon.